O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News. Monday, October 11, 2021, Columbus Day, federal holiday. Stand up for your country. I'm going to tell you all about Chris Columbus. He's trying to be canceled. Um, and I will have information you've never heard before about him. I'll also have my review of the new James Bond movie, uh, which I think you'll enjoy. That'll be at the end of the program tonight. We're very pleased you are with us. We'll start, as we always do, with President Biden's schedule today. Uh, he had nothing. <laughs> Isn't it hard to believe if you watch this program on a regular basis? He, doesn't have, he never does anything. He never have any. He came back from Rehoboth, Delaware this morning, and, and it was nothing around. What, it's probably just like sitting around. What, what do you guys want to do? What do you, no, I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> anyway, on Friday before he left for the weekend, um, the president issued remarks on Indigenous People's Day. Put those up on the screen. I'll quote them. On Indigenous People's Day, that's Columbia for Mr. Biden, Columbus Day for Mr. Biden, our nation celebrates the invaluable contributions and resilience of indigenous peoples, recognizes their inherent sovereignty, and commits to honoring the federal government's trust and treaty obligations to tribal nations, unquote. Very noble, very woke, uh, and I will have more on that uh, coming up. Rasmussen Delhi tracking poll, not good news for Mr. Biden. 41% uh, think he's doing a good job. 48% disapprove in the Rasmussen Daily tracking poll. However, CBS, CBS out with a poll, YouGov, and uh, not like that. It's 50-50 in the CBS poll. So, uh, wow, 50% say good, 50% say bad. That's, that's a lot different than the Rasmussen poll. So why would that be? Well, of course, my crack staff investigates all polling. And what we found out is very interesting. In the CBS sample, uh, they have 33% Democrat, 27% Republican. That's a six-point deficit. Independent, 33%. But they don't say liberal-leaning or conservative-leaning independents, and that is the game. So they know, pollsters know, all right, because they ask, you know, if you describe yourself as an independent, would you be a traditional independent or a progressive independent? And the person would tell them person doesn't tell them you don't poll. Okay. So they know. And all you have to do if you're a pollster is to be five or six points down on the Democrats over Republicans and then have more liberal independence. And you'll always get a more favorable outcome for the liberal question, whether it be the president or anything else. That is the game. So you all understand it. I wrote a column called Eyes Wide Shut. I hope you read it. It's about Joe Biden's trip to Chicago last week. It was appalling. What happened there was not reported. Uh, Eyes Wide Shut. And a reminder that on October 21st, all right, 10 days from today, we will have a special for just premium and concierge members on BillOReilly.com called The Real Joe Biden, How Mr. Biden's Actions in the White House are impacting you, directly impacting you. So um, it'll be epic, as the kids say. So if you're not a premium member, you should sign up because it's going to be quite the special. You got a lot of stuff that you've never heard before. All right, back to Chris Columbus. Um, here are the facts on uh, old Chris. 
Italian by birth, and, and, and Columbus Day is to honor Italian-Americans. That's why it was put into uh, the federal system. All right, so Chris Columbus came over to the New World four times, four different voyages, financed by Ferdinand and Isabella, yeah, of Spain. So the Italian government wouldn't finance Chris, so he went to Spain, he got the money, came across. 1492 was the big one. He landed at the island of San Salvador in the Bahamas. And that was the first discovery of the New World, except for the Vikings, who came over far north a long time ago, Eric the Red and all that. But they didn't, they didn't really stay or, or write about it. They just were there, and, and there was nobody to slaughter. So they got bored, and they went back. But in, uh, in the Caribbean, where Columbus was, there were a lot of people. They were called Caribs, most of them. They were tribes, just like on North American uh, soil. And the tribes, some of them were nice, and some of them were cannibals, okay? Some of them were rough boys. So Columbus had uh, three ships, as you'll remember. I mean, I don't even know if they teach us anymore. The Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. He didn't have a lot of guys, a couple of hundred, but he didn't have a lot of guys. Um, And they didn't really know what the reception was going to be. So anyway, I'm not going to get into micro on this. Um, But I will tell you that uh, the progressive movement wants to cancel Columbus. The coach of the San Antonio Spurs came out to say today and said honoring Columbus is like honoring Hitler. Because Columbus slaughtered all the indigenous people. That is not true. But Greg Popovich doesn't really know that. And in his statement, I was going to use it, but what's the point? Uh, Popovich says, maybe I'm ignorant. I wouldn't say you're ignorant, Mr. Popovich. You're a brilliant basketball coach, but you don't know anything about history. And maybe you sing the song, don't know much about history. Maybe you kind of sing that. Now, was Columbus a good guy? No, I wouldn't say he was a good guy. Um, he was out for gold. That's what the queen and king wanted, gold. And then he wanted to find a passageway through to where Marco Polo ran around, the Orient. Okay, that's what he was trying to do. So he's floating around, trying to find that passageway through. He never found it. He got as far as Panama, I think, on the fourth voyage. So when he went back to Spain the first time around, he took some uh, indigenous people back with him to show the Spaniards who was living there. Um, Yeah, I would say they were probably forced to go, but he didn't take a big crew. Uh, he, He took some. And there is no primary reporting on any of this. So it's not like anybody was on the voyage writing all this down. That never happened. There's only one primary report on it, and that's from Columbus himself. And that primary report is in the Vatican Museum. Now, I'm going to quote from it uh, just to give you a flavor of, uh, of what he was writing, what uh, Columbus was himself writing. Let me find his quote here. Um, Well, I'm looking for it. He visited Trinidad, South American mainland, uh, all of that stuff. Okay, here's a quote, and this comes from the Gilder Lehrman Institute's translated version of Columbus's letter, which is now in the Vatican. Quote, as soon as I had come into the sea, I took by force some Indians from the first island in order that they might learn from us and at the same time tell us what they knew about affairs in these regions. This succeeded admirably. For in a short time we understood them, and they uh, understood us by gesture and signs and words, and they were of great service to us. 
They're coming now with me. These are the people who went back to Spain. And I've always believed that I have come from heaven, notwithstanding the long time they have been and remain with us. They were the first who told this wherever we went, one calling to another with a loud voice, come, come, you will see men from heaven. Now, that doesn't sound like a guy beating the indigenous people, but maybe Columbus was lying. It's possible. Impossible he was putting a happy face on it. Now, here's what we do know, and this is fascinating. Columbus had two brothers on his voyages, okay? Bartolomeo and Diego. He left them on the island of Hispaniola, which is today Haiti and the Dominican Republic. They were bad guys. Bartolomeo and Diego Columbus, bad guys. They did enslave the people on that island, and Popovich is probably referring to this, and made them grow stuff so they could get rich. But Chris never was left on the island. He was always floating around. Now, I'm not making excuses for Christopher Columbus. I'm just telling you what we know and what we don't know. So the attempt to cancel him is absurd. It's ridiculous. Now, if you want to change the name of the federal holiday to Explorer's Day or uh, Pathfinder Day, I don't care. And I think there should be a federal holiday honoring Native Americans. There absolutely should be one. And you read Killing Crazy Horse, I tell you the absolute truth about Native Americans and what happened. We don't start with Columbus. We start with the Creek Indians fighting Andrew Jackson. So I think I know what I'm talking about here. And this absurdity of Christopher Columbus has got to be banished and canceled is insane. In Philadelphia, they have a box over his statue. Show the box. This is crazy. So one federal judge says you, you can't have a box over a taxpayer's statue. But then another federal judge said, no, you can't. This is Philadelphia, cradle of liberty. All right. So they got a box over him there. That's how insane this is. Anyway, to all you Italian-Americans, I understand Columbus Day is there to honor you, not Christopher Columbus. I don't think the man should be canceled. I think the truth should be known about him as far as we know the truth. Is that fair? Fair for everybody? Okay. Let's get to, I think, uh, the most fascinating story of the day. Terry McAuliffe running for governor in Virginia. So a anchor woman at WAVY, Wavy 10 News, in Virginia Beach, uh, was asking McAuliffe, there she is, Anita Blanton, about the critical race theory that some Virginians are objecting to that is allegedly being taught in Loudoun County and other places. Roll tape. I want to turn your attention to critical race theory. It's been talked about as well yeah, quite yeah, a bit yeah. recently. I have two questions for you on this. So how sure. do you define critical race theory? I answer this question very clearly. It's not taught in Virginia, and it's never been taught in Virginia. And as I've said this a lot, it's a dog whistle. It's racial, it's division, and it's used by Glenn Youngkin and others. This is the same thing with Trump and the border wall to divide people. We should not be dividing people in school. So how do you define it? It, it? Anita, it is not taught here in Virginia. But how do you define it? Doesn't matter. It's not taught here well, in Virginia, so I'm not going to spend your thoughts my time. On, on what it is. I'm not even spending my time because the school board and everyone else has come out and said it's not taught. It's racist. It's a dog whistle. But if we don't have a definition, how can we say it's racist? I just want a definition from yeah. you. 
It, it's not taught here in Virginia. We can ask about any topic. <laughs> I mean, that's absurd, right? So kudos to the anchor woman. You don't see that much anymore. You really don't. So Ms. Blanton really did her job. Now, this is the way politics is today in America all over. And I'm not just blaming McAuliffe. McAuliffe's in trouble. I think he's going to lose. All right? The Republican is going to win. Because McAuliffe is basically, he wouldn't answer that question. And he's saying, oh, we're not teaching that in Virginia. That's a sleight of hand. What they are teaching in Virginia, in Loudoun County in particular, is equity. Okay? They're teaching equity. Now, I'm going to give you the exact, uh, the exact definition of what they're teaching in Loudoun County public schools. The equity plan, quote, a diverse, inclusive, equitable, and socially just teaching and learning community is a priority for the Loudoun County public schools. So they have set up, all right, an equity office there. Now, that is critical race theory. That's what it is. And that's why, and the kids come home and they tell their parents, hey, this is what they're teaching me. And the parents go crazy because it's all about this skin color. That's what this is all about. When you hear um, the words diverse, inclusive, equitable, and socially just, that's skin color. Now, McAuliffe is trying to peddle that if you even raise the question, about critical race theory or the equity plan, you're a racist for even questioning it. And this is what the progressives do. You're a bigot if you just don't get in line and let your kids be brainwashed. I mean, and that's why McCobb's gonna lose because the smarter voters in Virginia, the independent voters are going, this guy is disingenuous. He won't even answer a, a simple question. What is your definition of critical race theory? Well, it's not taught here, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna define it. Okay, well, I'm not gonna vote for you. Now, I've known McCall for a long time. I get along with him, but this is a disaster for him, and he's not telling the truth. Okay, so that's what's going on in Virginia. Now, I had a letter last week from a concierge member to BillOReilly.com. That's that program is where you have direct access to me, and it's a private situation. I don't publicize the letters. So if you need any kind of advice on life or you want more clarity and what stories we cover, you write to me directly, privately, and I give you an answer. That's the concierge membership on BillOReilly.com. So one of our uh, very loyal concierge members who lives in California uh, wrote me and said, uh, I understand Nancy Pelosi is on her way to Rome to visit with the Pope. Now, I hadn't heard that. So I did some research. I did it, not my staff. I can't blame them. All right. And there was nothing on the Vatican schedule about Nancy Pelosi. So I wrote back to our concierge member. I, I can't find anything on the schedule. Well, lo and behold, she shows up in a private meeting with the Pope, the Speaker of the House. I think we have a picture of them together smiling in uh, whatever form they smile in. Now, Nancy Pelosi is uh, one of the most pro-abortion people on the planet. All right. So the logical question is, why is the Pope meeting with her uh, because the Pope doesn't want to meet with you. The Pope doesn't meet with you. Okay. If you say, Oh, I want to be the Pope. You're probably not going to get that meeting. Even if you're a saint, but Pelosi gets it. Okay. And I'll tell you why. And Biden's going over there October 29th, Friday, and he's going to meet with the Pope. Now the Pope's attitude toward all of this is he is trying to engage and persuade, not 
push away people who are doing bad things in his opinion. In his opinion, abortion is murder, but he's going to try to engage Pelosi and Biden and try to persuade them not to be the people they are. Now, he's going to lose that battle. Pelosi and Biden are never going to backtrack on abortion. Okay, they are two of the biggest uh, abortion promoters in the world. Now, you might say, and you have a, a legitimate argument to say this, what is the leader of the Catholic Church, which condemns abortion as a moral sin, why is he being seen with these terrible people? And again, he's trying to persuade them, but he will not succeed, in my humble opinion. All right, uh, there was a meeting in the USA and the Taliban in Gutter. And the Taliban is not going to cooperate uh, with, uh, with the United States in hunting down ISIS. And the Taliban says, not confirmed, not confirmed, that the U.S. is going to send them aid. Now, this is rich. So while the Taliban cuts off people's hands uh, and, and persecutes women, we're going to send them money. Now, the USA has not, Biden administration has not confirmed that. If they do, they'll have more trouble with me. All right, on uh, COVID front, hundreds of thousands of U.S. troops have not gotten vaxxed. They have till uh, November 29th to get vaxxed. 90% of the Navy's vaxxed, 81% of the Army, 81% of the Air Force, 77 Marines, 70 Air National Guard. Um, 32 members have died from COVID, military members, 2,000 hospitalized. If you don't get it, you are subject to punishment. That could be relief of duties, discharge. I don't know how that's going to come down. Uh, and again, the end of November is the date. In Seattle, um, 40% of the police force is not vaxxed, and the mayor there may fire them by the October 18th deadline, a week from today. So Seattle already got a department in disarray. This could be worse. Uh, L.A. got an October 20th to be vaxxed. Uh, if you're not vaxxed in L.A., you're going to get fired. Chicago, October 15th, four days from now. They don't have it in, in NYPD in New York. Not yet. Okay. In Portugal and Spain, according to our uh, foreign uh, policy experts at the Daily Chatter, they have the lowest transmission rate of COVID. 80% of Spain's um, citizens are vaxxed. And Portugal, the quote is from the Washington Post, the country has nearly run out of people to vaccinate. So vaccinations are widely accepted in Portugal and Spain. That's the Iberian Peninsula. And COVID rates are way down. California is uh, a, a lunatic asylum. Okay, so the latest is uh, Assembly Bill 1084. takes effect in 2024, signed by Gavin Newsom, the governor. The law says that large stores must have a gender-neutral section to display a reasonable selection of toys and other child items, regardless of whether they have been traditionally marketed for either girls or boys. <laughs> okay, it's funny, it's stupid, it's another fascist play by Sacramento. I gotta laugh, I really do. But if you don't have your general neutral aisle or whatever, you get fined 250 bucks each complaint, 2024. Now, what isn't a laughing matter is that people are in danger in California, physical danger. And I've known uh, Michael Levine, our next guest, for, I don't know, 30 years. He's lived in California uh, since 1977. He's a media expert and an author. 
And he's a kind of an activist in trying to point out how which a disaster California is. Michael Levine joins us now from Los Angeles. Okay, so I get your missives all the time. And uh, basically, you're saying that you and your friends and your family are in danger, even though you live in an affluent area. Is that correct? That's accurate, Bill. It's not an overstatement in the least. In fact, when you say that California has transformed into a lunatic asylum, one could hear that and say, well, that's very poetic and overstated. Not in the least. It is, it's factually accurate. Uh, communities within Southern California that were highly regarded, Santa Monica, Venice, Brentwood, these are all communities that are now essentially occupied areas with two sets of laws, one for regular folks and the other for homeless. Homeless can do pretty much anything they want. They urinate in the street in broad daylight. They threaten, they yell, they scream, they spit. There is no consequence whatsoever. And uh, this, this is now what has become of life in in Southern California, and I understand it's it's no better in Northern California. Well, in, San Francisco uh, San is a disaster. But let's take Santa right. Monica for example, okay? Because I know right. Santa Monica yeah. very well. Very, yeah. you got to have a lot of money to buy a place in, in Santa Monica, okay? You so bet. It's a small small area has its own police agency. They're not correct. Uh, the LAPD is not there. So Third right. Avenue Mall in uh, in Santa Monica is a shopping mall. And Third go there. Street Promenade, right, right that's accurate. Right. And it's about uh, two blocks away from the ocean, but there's plenty right. of people outside, outdoor cafes, this and that. And I always used to go down there and we have some dinner and this and that. Nobody, it started to bother me, I would say, about 10 years ago. You start to see a little riffraff and, and things like that, mostly drug addicts, uh, yep. you know, kind of walking around. What is it like now? Well, first of all, the stores are closed. It is the, the homeless have adopted an audacity that is simply hard to describe unless you see it. Uh, in other words, 10 years ago, if you saw a homeless person on your porch or something, you'd simply ask them to move. They might ask you for a dollar for coffee and they would, they would move. But in today's world, if you see a homeless person on your porch and you ask them to move, they, they simply respond by saying, I'm not going to move, you move. I belong here. You don't belong here. Now, if you complain to the city in any way, shape, or manner, no matter how politely, again, Mr. O'Reilly is right. Bingo. You are a racist. They don't even allow you to finish the sentence. So if you simply complain to city officials in Santa Monica or Los Angeles that there's a, a problem with homeless people urinating on your property or defecating on your property or throwing things or causing havoc. They simply shut you up with the, the line that you're a racist. So you're telling me that, that the Santa Monica cops if you called up and said, look, I got some trespassers here on my front lawn Correct. that I, that I think are dangerous, uh, Correct. and I've asked them politely to leave, and they, they were insulting to me, would you send some Santa Monica PD over here and move them because they're trespassing? And you'd get a what? they say what? You'd get, they've been told to stand down. They do not respond. And, and in Santa Monica, California, where I used to live, 
Uh, people don't even bother to call the police. If you ask somebody why they don't call the police, they say, well, the police don't do anything. It's, why isn't uh, there, why, is it, why aren't there mass demonstrations from residents? And you see this in San Francisco yeah. doesn't have it either. So people yeah. rising up and yeah. saying enough, enforce the law, we pay you, because that's taxpayer money going to the cops and going to the mayor and everybody else, city council. Just, you know, demonstrate that, and, and in Venice, I think they did that. And they did clear out a bunch of, Venice Beach cleared out a bunch of drug addicts and people who were living uh, on the streets and, and causing that community to lose its economic base because there's a lot of tourism there. So I think there was some kind of groundswell there, but it doesn't happen in a big place like Santa Monica? Well, it didn't happen actually in Venice to any large degree, except until the sheriff arrived. The uh, LA City Police Department also stood down and did nothing and allowed it to decay to a point of, I mean, to, to call the area in Southern California, many areas in Southern California, a Titanic uh, is not overstated. I mean, it is completely uh, occupied. Isn't it the and fault I, of the I, voters though? Isn't it the fault of the sure, people who of course live there? It is. That they, of course they're it afraid is. Yes. or they're apathetic or they won't do yes. anything. to Because in, where I live on Long Island, this yep. couldn't happen. I would lead the charge. I would do it. Okay. Right. And absolutely couldn't happen. And the I, police I department in Nassau they'll... County would never stand down. That would never happen. Now, New York City, just 20 miles from me, that's, they're doing that. But it's the people who have to basically take Correct. back their neighborhood, right? Correct. And why don't you're, they do you're it? You're totally no right. But the reason it, it it appears to me, and of course I'm not a you know I can't psychoanalyze every voter in in Santa Monica, Brentwood, Venice, Marina del Rey. I can't do that. But what I can tell you is that the people uh, on the left have created a fear of complaining. Their people are afraid to speak. They're afraid to complain. And uh, it, it's, it's really rather, it'll be for historians to record this because you're cor completely correct. It's the fault of the voters. It's the fault right. of I mean, the look, citizens. I, I, I'll throw one more thing at you. We really appreciate your time, Michael. I know you're busy. But they elected a guy named Gaston oh. as, the, as the top prosecutor yep. in right. L.A. County. He won't prosecute That's any crimes. Correct. You won't prosecute any crimes. You can do whatever you Correct. want. He's not, if you're a minority. Now, if Michael right. Levine goes out tonight and steals a car, you're going to get whatever you get. But if you're a minority and you commit a crime, Gaston's not, gonna, not even going to bring charges, no matter what the cops have. And he was completely honest about who he was when he ran for election and people voted for them. So as long as they vote for people, like this, they will continue to get this kind of governance. I mean, it's it's not very complicated. As I think it was Andrew Breitbart who said that politics is nothing more than culture downstream. If you vote for these people, you shouldn't be surprised when these are the these are the consequences. Yeah, I know. And uh, Soros fun, funded, heavily funded Gascon's uh, campaign. Hey, Michael, stay safe out there. We appreciate your outspokenness and bringing to our attention all the stuff that's going on. Thanks very much. We appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. 10 million people in the L.A. area. 10 million. Okay, so California has done a good thing, but for the wrong reason. 
um, the first state to allow adult children to put their parents on um, their health care. So say your parent doesn't have much money and, and you do, you can put the parent, you can say the parents are dependent and put your elderly parent on your health care, private insurance. OK, that's a good thing. But the reason they did it was not because of the uh, California parents. It was because of the illegal aliens. So this was authored by Michael Santiago, a Democratic assemblyman. And uh, Newsom signed it into law. It'll take effect 2023. So you can designate your parents. I mean, they obviously have to be below a certain income. And you can write that off and they can be on your health uh, form. Now, that's a good thing. Because unlike Japan, which honors, reveres, and supports the elderly population, we don't. In this country, we just don't want to see them. So parents or whatever it may be, they're not in good health. They don't have a lot of assets. I, I, I hear stories every day. It breaks your heart. So this thing in California, I hope, you know, I understand the illegal alien component here and why it was done. But something good could come out of it, and that's why I'm reporting it. Okay, Christmas tree shortage. Now, we're telling you, you got to do your Christmas shopping now. I hope you believe me, because if you have people in mind and specific gifts, you want to get them, particularly if you order off the Internet catalogs, you will not get the stuff if you wait much longer, because there's a shortage of everything, including Christmas trees, including Christmas trees. Now, there have been a lot of droughts, decimated crops, whatever it is, but uh, Christmas tree crop has been heavily affected across the country. And if you don't buy your Christmas tree, but you can't buy it early because it'll dry out. So what do you do if you want a real Christmas tree? I don't know. You might grease the Christmas tree guy a 20 and say, hold a Christmas tree for me. I don't know. But it's Christmas is going to be rough. And Biden's going to get the blame for all this. He is. You wait and see. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD. 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. All right, this day in history, October 11th, 1975, 46 years ago, Saturday Night Live debuts. Interesting story. So a Canadian writer named Lauren Michaels was floating around trying to sell a project. Johnny Carson wanted to take all Fridays off. NBC was running the best of Carson on Saturday night. 
Carson demanded and got what he wanted because he was a huge uh, source of income for NBC. He said, I want you to move my Saturday night show to Friday so I can take off Friday. So NBC had a block open on late night Saturday. Lauren Michaels came in and said, I I got a show 46 years ago. Today, Saturday Night Live debuted. Roll it. Now, when we left off at last week's session, Vito was telling us about his feelings toward the Tataglia family. Vito? Well, the Tataglia family is causing me great personal grief. Also, also, I'm looking, things are not going so well at my olive oil company. No. Sherry? Oh, God, Vito, I think you're blocking. <laughs> Vito? Blocking what? Your true feelings about the Tataglia family, guy. Vito, do you want to respond? <laughs> All right. The Tataglia family is moving into my territory. I'm moving in on uh, the numbers, prostitution, a restaurant linen supply. Now they want to bring in drugs. Also, they shot my son Santino 56 times. Ah, <laughs> ah, now we're getting someplace. What do you think about that? Drugs? I'm against them. <laughs> All right, it was Elliot Gould. He formerly married to Barbara Streisand. So anyway, the show has obviously been on the air now for 46 years. Now, it's going downhill because Trump really... Uh, injected Saturday Night Live when they mocked him, Alec Baldwin, you know that. And he was good uh, last time, last year at this time, but now they're not so good. Uh, because the liberal people who watch Saturday Night Live, primarily younger stoners, <laughs> um, they don't want you to make fun of Biden. So the, SNL doesn't really have a lot of places to go. Interesting. And the original cast was Chevy Chase, Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Gilda Radner, Garrett Morris, Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman, George Coe, I don't even know who that is. Michael O'Donoghue is a crazy writer who appeared. So uh, that happened 46 years ago today. I got a good mail segment and then my review of Bond, James Bond coming up. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast, politics by faith. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine, enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go to the mail. Uh, Chris, great column, Bill. You're spot on accurate when you say Joe Biden's too busy calling his own country racist to actually deal with real racism. Arlene Yost, San Luis Obispo, California. Great message of the day. Eyes wide shut. That's not a message. That's the column, Arlene. But that's all right. 
That's okay. Uh, Luckily, the voters have opened their eyes. Well, we'll see. Debbie, uh, you have said the Democrats are likely to take a beating at the midterm elections, but that assumes the elections are fair. There are too many discrepancies in the last election for me to feel confident. Just remember, the House of Representatives added a lot of Republican seats in the last election. Just remember that. Okay, Michael McCann, Wally, North Carolina. Uh, Last Thursday was one of the best no-spin news episodes. I like the sarcasm with the quiz. If you have not taken our quiz that we gave you last Thursday, it is on BillOReilly.com. I think you'll enjoy it. Louis uh, Crescio, Raleigh, North Carolina. Bill, as parents, we don't want to tell teachers what to teach. We want to tell them what not to teach. Okay, I wouldn't phrase it that way, Louis. I know what you're saying. I would just say I don't want my kid indoctrinated with far-left sensibilities. That's fair. I don't want my kid indoctrinated with far-right sensibilities. Nancy Brenfleck, Prescott, Arizona. Bill, I aced your quiz. I got my nose written before you even finished the questions. Okay. Diane Ellis, Reno, Nevada. Thank you, Bill, for mentioning the problem about getting your Christmas gifts. I shop at BillOReilly.com store. We will not have a shortage. All right. We got books. We got uh, our stickers, bumper stickers flying out of here because it's funny. You know, if you give the bumper stickers to the people... You could just do it in a good humor. All right. Um, Linda, Bill, I received my new bumper stickers two days ago. All my neighbors have come up to tell me how they are losing their freedoms. What a great message on the sticker. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, we got lots of good stuff for you. Um, the best Christmas gift ever is a ticket or tickets to the Trump O'Reilly History Tour. I will be interviewing Donald Trump on Thursday. We will show that a week from today on the No Spin News. I got to go down to Mar-a-Lago, quick turnaround and come back. But I'm going to do a very different interview. So that is coming up. Uh, The Trump shows are, uh, you know, in Fort Lauderdale, Sunrise, in Orlando, in Houston, in Dallas. Best Christmas gifts ever. And hurry because they're selling really well now, boy. They're moving after we started marketing. Word of the day, do not be sniffish, S-N-I-F-F-I-S-H, sniffish. Back with my review of James Bond in a moment. Okay, final thought of the day. I saw the Bond movie, and here's something I think was interesting for me. In 1962, my father took me to see Dr. No, all right, because John F. Kennedy, the president of the United States, said he loved the Ian Fleming books. And, you know, my father said, all right, let's go see the movie. And we went to a movie theater in Roosevelt Field, Long Island. I saw the movie, the new Bond movie, in the same theater that I saw Dr. No in with my father in 1962. Now, the theater was refurbished. Now you can relax and they'll bring you uh, canopies. but that was a little deja vu for me. Remember me and my dad walking in to see Dr. No. But this movie is not like Dr. No. It opened soft, 56 million, that's so-so for a Bond movie. And he's woke. Jimmy is woke. Okay, so uh, he's sensitive. He's a sensitive guy, even driving a car around. No Bond girls. 
that's a girl, but he's in love with her. He's a romantic guy, Bond. All right? And he has a daughter. Bond has a daughter. What's next? Kittens? So all of this stuff is in the movie, and it's, he's sensitive. And so is the bad guy, Rami Malek. He's a sensitive bad guy. Ah, what would Goldfinger say? Okay. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, now, the opening theme, Billie Eilish, terrible. I mean, some of the Shirley Bassey, you know, Billie, nobody's ever going to remember that song. So that goes on for a couple of minutes. It's like, is this the Bond theme? And then it's cartoonish violence. It's, um, you know, they play these video games and you can shoot a million zombies. That's what it is. And all this is marketed for overseas. This movie made millions of dollars overseas. And it's like Bond kills about a thousand guys. They're all clad in black. And blah, 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 blah. He never misses. And they all fall down. Just like the video games. That's what it is. But here's what I noticed. There are four screenplays writers on this movie. Usually you have one or two screenplay writers. Not four. If you see four on the screen, that means they had trouble with the script. They had a pull in two more. And they have ghosts, too, people who don't get screen credit. So this was a mess. It ran two hours and 45 minutes. And I'm going, why? Because the car chases, the mo- and the motorcycle chases, and the foot chases. And they go on and on and on, just running around. You don't know where they are. They don't do locators like they did in other Bond movies. Don't know where they're, they're running around Italy and they're running around some other place. They don't know where they are, but they're running around. All right. And then shooting and running. So at the end of two hours and 45 minutes, I mean, I'm sitting there going, why? <laughs> and I could just picture Sean Connery somewhere with his eyebrow going up like this. No Bond girls. No, 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 no. Everyone's sensitive. Big, diverse cast, and they were all good, by the way. Performance is great. Production value is great. Well shot. But you can tell it that Daniel Craig is edited into a lot of the shots. He's not there. And I, that's another thing. And I'm going, hey, what are you guys doing all this graphic stuff? So I didn't like it. I gave it a 6 out of 10. Uh, the only reason I did that was because of the production values. I mean, it's nothing like the original concept that Ian Fleming wrote about, which was like a male fantasy in a sense that here's this guy and he's brave and he's he loves his country and, uh, you know, God. All right. So there you go. James Bond. R.I.P. James Bond. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.